everyone. I'm Kelsey. This is Going On 30. Let's get started. All the people, funny places, little modes of who I am. Showing wrinkles, changing faces, but it's all out of my hands. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I can't believe that Going on 30 has been live for about a week now, and since then, there's already been a hundred people that have listened in. So, thank you so much. That means the absolute world to me. It's been kind of nerve wracking making this, but I've been getting so many wonderful messages, and that kind of feedback means the world to me. So, thank you so much for listening and subscribing and following because this is just getting started, and there are some really great guests coming up. So, new episodes will be dropping every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. The links can be easily found on the Instagram page, goingon30pod, or on the website, goingon30pod.com. Okay, that's enough of my little pre-show today. Let's get into the episode. I am so excited to introduce you all to Kara Ware. So Kara and I work on the podcast, Good Medicine on the Go Together, which is all about building strong and resilient medical practices. This is appropriate because Kara herself is quite strong and resilient, and you'll see that through her story that she shares today. So Kara's 30s were filled with some pretty serious challenges. She had two young boys, they lived in a gorgeous but remote location which had no running water, and her older son was facing a pretty scary diagnosis. On top of that, she was tackling all of this on her own. Now, you might think initially, wow, that sounds like a lot, but I'm totally different. I mean, maybe you don't have kids or you aren't facing a diagnosis like that. I mean, hopefully you have running water. But what I think we can learn from Kara's story is that by choosing love over fear and rising to the challenges that we face, we have the potential to grow and develop in ways that we never thought were possible. I mean, Kara did not expect this to be her journey, but she took one determined step after the other and embraced the path that she was on and acknowledges now that growth is really only possible outside of your comfort zone. And when you focus on the journey instead of just the outcome, you can find that you will grow in ways that you didn't expect, but certainly make you who you are today. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you hear something that you connect with, feel free to share it with a friend. Now that's enough for me. Time to hear from my friend, Kara Ware. Good morning, Kara. Welcome to Going on 30. Good morning. Um, I'm really Excited to have you here today. You and I have known each other for a while, but for our audience who is just getting introduced to you, I appreciate so much of what you are doing now. You're a great mom. You are a boss. You are a podcaster. All of these things are so exciting um, and there's so much going on, but can you look back in the looking glass and let us know what was life like for you at 30? So my birthday is coming up in May. So uh, looking back almost, you know, um, what, 17 years ago, I came home from the hospital on my 30th birthday with my youngest baby boy, Jax. So he was born on the 5th of May and my birthday is on the 7th. And he was this bundle of joy that was born into this devastating brewing storm. And when I came home that afternoon, having been in the hospital for two days, uh, my two-year-old was staying with some friends. And it was becoming evident that 
something was terribly wrong with my two-year-old. However, we were making excuses. Oh, he's just had a baby brother. He's acclimating to the change. Oh, he's just entered his terrible twos. Oh, I was a late talker, my mom said. So it's okay that he's nonverbal right now when all other two-year-olds are chatting it up. So for eight months, we made excuses. So to answer your question, on my 30th birthday, um, life was really deteriorating, to be quite honest, other than my bundle of joy jacks who came into my life who really helped save me through those devastating times. Uh, my marriage was falling apart as a result of my two-year-old already struggling and then adding in another child. And we were living on our 15 acres on the National Gali Forest. We were living without running water. We were building our own cordwood home out of the timber on our land. And that was placing stress on our marriage. So when I turned 30, actually, my entire life was crumbling. And were you... Oh, and I lost my a- job. <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. No running water, two babies, emotional turmoil. Yeah. Um, my my two-year-old was really sick. So if it's okay if I tell you a little bit more about my two-year-old, because uh, he, he really is setting the stage here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the two-year-old is, is Zachary, right, who's graduating from high school um, in May, in a couple months. So Zachary wasn't sleeping, Um, At the age of 14 months, he regressed into constant screaming and biting me, biting my arm. It looked like I was a bruised and battered woman. He would latch on his teeth and he wouldn't let go. I'd have to like unhinge his jaw like a rabid dog. He acted more of a wild animal than, than a toddler. He was in constant motion. He was constantly climbing everything, disappearing. I had bells on his shoes uh, because we lived on 15 acres next to the Gali National Forest. Like we were out in the middle of nowhere. And um, he wouldn't respond to his name. He wouldn't look me in the eye. He, um, his stools became really frothy and loose. And um, he was aggressive. I'd never seen so much rage. And and here's a two-year-old who um, I was doing everything I thought was right. You know, I had natural childbirth. I was breastfeeding. I was making all this homemade baby food. Like, <laughs> um, and, and he, wa- he was a mess. And, it, and my husband couldn't handle it. And he soon um, excused himself from the situation. All of that sounds incredibly stressful. Um. And never mind the fact that you didn't have running water. I mean, I think that that's such a funny thing. Right. Because... I was heating their bath water on the Coleman stove. Right. <laughs> really. I mean, which sounds so idyllic to me, but then when you add in all of the other things. Yeah, uh, it was. I mean, that was a dream. We yeah. intentionally put ourselves there, right? We wanted to live right. on the land in this tiny little shack and build our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we wanted. Sure. Uh, but it, it just, yeah. yeah, it turned out to be a nightmare. Well, I think it speaks to your innate strength as a mother that right away you knew that, you know, these boys needed you in a way that maybe um, other parents didn't experience that early on, right? And Zachary, going through all those things so early seems like it really pointed you in the direction of needing to find ways to help him. Um, You've expressed to me before that you now look back on it understood that he was in pain at the time 
and you couldn't really understand how to help him. So what turned the corner in that way? So as we kind of track Zachary's progress, it's almost also tracking your progress through your 30s as well. Mm -hmm. So what kind of what came next? What was the turning point? And where did you first start going for help Mm -hmm. for him? Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, I made excuses for eight months. And um, finally, God love a really good friend pulled me aside and said, there is something really wrong, and you need to do something about it. Uh, nobody else was really saying anything to me. They, the phone calls just kind of stopped. We stopped being invited to play dates and group activities. Yeah. Um, and so I spoke with my pediatrician, and the pediatrician said, oh, that that is autism. And now, mind you, this is in 2006. I didn't, end of 2005, I didn't ever had heard of autism. Back then, it was like one in 150 kids. Today, it's like right. one in 44 yeah. Um, so I didn't know anything about it. And I was on dial-up internet because I lived out in a rural area. Uh, and <laughs> and I had my first flip phone. It didn't even text message, let alone take pictures or videos. Uh, so there was no information. And um, he said, well, you can medicate him, manage his, his symptoms, and place him in speech and behavioral therapy and love him and try to keep him safe. Because he was a danger to himself and others around him. And was that the doctor that said that he would eventually have to be institutionalized? So he said, you'll probably right. be get, need to start planning to have him placed mm-hmm. in a care facility because I could barely manage him. That At that time, it was right before his third birthday. It was in January of 2006. And uh, he turned three in March. And I could barely physically manage him he was so strong at the age of three how was I going to manage him at the age of 13 so um I couldn't I couldn't accept that to your point I couldn't accept that I said to the doctor I said why do I want to silence him he looks like he's in pain like look at him he's screaming (laughs) he's got his fist clenched he's banging his head he's he's you know he can't focus his eyes can't focus like he is in pain what's causing him so much pain and the doctor said oh that's that's just what autism is right and I said well then autism is pain and I need to know how to help ease his pain And if I silenced him with medications, how would I know what he's trying to tell me? I believed his behaviors. Well, at first, I thought they were just being defiant and terrible twos, as I said earlier. (laughs) Uh, But once I started really paying attention, I was like, wow, he's really telling me something's very wrong. And I need to figure out how to ease his pain. And so that was the journey that I set out on in the question to answer. And miraculous events began to unfold that pointed me in a direction of how to begin acknowledging and addressing underlying sources of inflammation that indeed were causing him significant pain. Right. And like you said, you had no internet, really. There was, this was 2006, which doesn't sound like that long ago, but it it leaps and bounds away from where we are now with information at our fingertips. And so, you know, we didn't have those big mom groups on Facebook or support groups. I wasn't even on Facebook. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But I, it's, it's also, so you were telling me that you just started finding small things at a time that could maybe 
start helping piece by piece. Piece by piece. That's right. And um, it was really, I felt like I was on a scavenger hunt. And I uh, was in, I had finished yoga certification several years earlier. And I had a book as part of our curriculum that was called How to Reverse and Heal Childhood Chronic Epidemics. And so I opened it up and there was one small paragraph um, that really summarized everything I was dealing with with Zachary. And there was one small, uh, you know, for more information, call this number. I didn't even know where I was calling. And so I called this clinic. They happened to be in Florida. The woman was so kind. She listened to my story. She said, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to give you a name and a number of a mom who's recovering her child from autism. So when I say that I just started finding these miraculous pieces, this is how it worked out. Like I just called somebody, they told me about this woman, this woman told me about this doctor who actually ended up being three hours away from us. So this woman in Florida told me about this doctor who ended up being our first functional medicine. Functional medicine wasn't a term really back then. Um, and so we traveled three hours to go see her. So it was this, uh, it was this uh and that scavenger kind of started. <laughs> I love that you call it a scavenger hunt. And I think that a lot of people that have tried to get the root cause of problems would feel similarly that it's your one foot in front of the other just trying to find the next clue and that will lead you to the next one. Um, and so this is what brought you to functional medicine, which, which you've stayed in and excelled in um, since then. And so now, as an evolution from that starting point, you created your own autism recovery clinic where you helped other families. And what I really love about how you helped those families is that you started with the parents and you said that the change is in them. And if you want to help your kid, you have to help yourself too, right? Thanks, Kelsey. Exactly. Yeah. So autism treatment focuses entirely on the child and parents typically will, traditional treatment, traditional focuses. treatment. Thank you. Yeah. And that's still happening today. And, and quite frankly, parents are still hearing today, there's nothing you can do, which isn't further from the truth. And um, couldn't be further from the truth. So uh, when I opened up my clinic, my philosophy, based on my experience was I had to lead by example, if I was going to make all these nutrition changes and lifestyle changes and be consistent with supplements, I had to do it for myself. And then Zachary followed my lead. And I had to create this atmosphere of healing in my home. Right. And it's a journey, right? And it it's takes a, a while to get there. So to get back to your journey. So you're talking now about how you're healing families and parents. And at that point, where, how are you feeling at this time? Yeah, so this was in our ninth year uh, when I opened up the clinic. And um, I was exhausted. It probably wasn't the best time to open a clinic and take on other people's stress. <laughs> um, I had a helper. I, but that, you know, I felt like it was my mission. I felt like I was shown how to piece this together in a time where there was no information. And I believe that I am to turn around and help others understand how to piece this together. But I'm so grateful I did it. You know, it's my mission. That's that's my purpose in life is to help more families who are struggling with 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 great pain. Yeah. So if you could go back and talk to yourself, you know, this is, you know, 10, 15, 18 years ago now, what would you would you give yourself what advice would you give yourself? 
What would that conversation look like? So I have that conversation actually regularly in my meditations where I go back and see myself in a variety of different stages of my life and talk to that younger version of myself. And so that particular version of myself, that young mom, um, you know, I, I, I tell her she did it. She focused on what she loved more than what she feared. And she loved those boys and she still does. And what's so beautiful about that is now Zachary is a wonderful teenage boy. He is also taking after his mom and helping people. And he's working at a horse farm nearby, right? And he is getting really passionate about how to connect with animals and how those animals can connect with other people yeah, too, right? Yeah, he's uh, rehabilitating horses that uh, have been abused or neglected or left to die in kill farms. And he's also giving lessons to kids with developmental disabilities. So he is very passionate about it. He wants to work with the parents because he saw down at my clinic where parents were giving me a hard time about the nutrition piece. (laughs) And he's so dedicated to the nutrition piece. He guards his health like anything because um, so long story short, the reason he's graduating, and not only is he graduating, he's graduating as an independent student who will go to college, who is having a job, who is having friends, who is driving. And you would never know he started life incredibly disabled. I mean, he had an aid wherever he went in school, he was nonverbal until the age of seven. He had all the odds stacked against him. And so when I think back to myself at my 30, and I am so grateful, I focused on what I loved. And I kept looking for well, how can I positively affect my environment? Because our environment was killing us. It was so stressful. He was in so much pain. We were so isolated, the three of us out on that 15 acres. And at that moment, I realized, holy, holy cow, it's really up to me. I I had to I had to stand up and train my mind to focus on what I could do. And each moment I had to do what I could do based in love because autism is really scary. A challenging diagnosis of any kind is really scary. You know, it feels like a life sentence. And when you focus and you commit yourself to living from a place of love rather than paying attention and harping on what you fear of everything that's not going well, of everything that's burning and crashing around you, When you shift your focus to what you love and each moment instilling that, I trusted that over time, all those small moments would add up to big change. And I didn't exactly know what the outcome would be. I wasn't outcome focused because everybody was telling me there was nothing I could hope for. But so you didn't know know what what to to hope hope for. for. And I think that's a lesson is not to be so outcome based, right? We all have this idea we need goals, but we and yes, but we also need flexibility of what that outcome is going to look like. And we have more power in that outcome than we even know, if we really focus on the present moment and, and intentionally have thoughts of loving kindness, then your words will be of loving kindness. You speak words of healing over you you and your family. And then your actions follow your thoughts and your words. And then that creates your habits, which create your character, which creates your destiny, which Lot Soup brought that to us, uh, which was a guiding principle in our our healing philosophy. So that's my message to, um, to your audience is that devastating life challenges will come in some form. It was autism for for us. Um, But it is a call to rise above and to become the best version. 
and learn how to positively affect your environment rather than allowing your environment to keep you imprisoned. I love that. And I also, you know, I, I want to go and give that 30 year old Kara like the biggest hug because what she faced felt like a tidal wave. And the fact that you were able to rise above that, lean into the love, acknowledge the fear and keep moving forward because you knew that was best for you and your boys, even if it meant moving back to Ohio. And in with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) And in with your mom. Um, You know, I, I feel that it's maybe not the journey you expected for yourself, but it's the journey you were on. And I'm so proud of her, 30 year old Karen. I'm so proud of you for doing above and beyond um, and helping everyone else as well. I want you to write a book so badly. <laughs> well, I need your help, your Kelsey. Um, okay, I'll write it for you. I'll write a biography you if you'll help you. me. <laughs> I will. So I want to... I want to finish on one, one topic, one point. So you and I work on Good Medicine on the Go, which is a podcast about functional medicine and different topics within functional medicine. And we call you our director. Um, and the rest of us are screenwriters and actors and all of this in the screenplay that is Good Medicine on the Go. And I've loved to watch you... Uh, sink into this director role. And I realized that you've been doing that. You are the director of your own life. And I think that there's something um, so beautiful and empowering about um, giving yourself permission to take control of a situation. And, uh, you know, you've aren't just the director of that podcast, you've been the director of your family and you've been, um, you know, getting everyone to places and getting everyone in costumes, you know, was just to say getting people the help that they need. Um, was that, was being a director in that way, something you were comfortable with or something that you felt you grew into as you were called to do it? Hmm. Good question. Uh, there's a lot of similarities with the podcast and the healing journey my family's been on because I was entirely out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I knew nothing about podcasting. Um, I knew nothing really about writing education curriculum. Uh, you know, I always have hesitancy to put my voice out there. You know, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. Uh, so I was totally and still am really out of my comfort zone. And I think that's the lesson is that's where growth really is, right? Is outside of your comfort zone. And when you give yourself permission to be okay with being uncomfortable and to rely on your team, um, really powerful outcomes happen as a result. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I have loved our conversation. I'm so glad that you were able to share a little bit of your story. I know there's so many layers and so many other chapters that we could talk forever about, um, but they'll just have to wait for the book that we write, right? <laughs> exactly. Thank um, you. Thank you. Life is a team. You and know, you life are is, an- is a team sport, right? Exactly. We need each other. And I think that's um, one more takeaway I want to give away to your audience is that really 
take a moment to define what health means to you. I feel like we kind of throw around that word of health and well-being and self-care, but really define what does that mean to you and what are you willing to do for it? Because as you you up until now could really get away with anything, to be quite honest. Like we can eat whatever we want. We can pull all nighters. We can <laughs> be a little impulsive or a lot of impulsive as it was in my case. Um, but when you turn 30, it starts to life changes quite a bit. You guys are in a big growth period where you are now truly laying the foundation for the rest of your life and your health is paramount. And in today's environment with the air and the food and the water and the content, the levels of contamination, our health is not as easy as it used to. We, we, we have to be diligent about it and we have to understand sources of inflammation and, and we have to be at all times eval- evaluating what are we willing to do to protect our health. Right. The health of ourselves and the ones around us that we love dearly our team. Thank you. So circling back around is that life is a team sport. And so when we take care of ourselves, we actually have better relationships with those around us. And and that's really the the heart of life are those relationships. Uh, Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your story. Um, I just want to listen to you talk all day long. I know you say that you are out of your element in a podcast, but I think that you are one of the best podcast voices. So Um, Well, thank you for this opportunity to share these lessons learned with a broader audience. That's it for our show today. Special thank you to my guest for sharing and to you for being here. Any resources mentioned in the show will be linked in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. The music in today's episode is by Kate the Dreamer, who you can stream on Apple Music and Spotify. You can learn more about the podcast by following on Instagram at goingon30pod or online at goingon30pod.com. If you want to be part of the show, make sure to visit the website to learn more. Whether you want to nominate a guest to be interviewed, submit your own advice to be read on the show, or maybe ask a question of a future guest, all of that information is online. And lastly, please share this podcast with a friend if you found it interesting and help grow the community. You can also subscribe or leave a review. You can also support the show through Buy Me a Coffee, which is linked in the show notes. Thank you for being here, and I hope you have a happy birthday if this is your week and a wonderful rest of your day.